Hey everyone, this is Danielle Gervino, and I'm the New York-based life and style blogger behind DanielleGervino.com. With a few successful years of blogging under my belt and a background in marketing and design, I'm taking you behind the scenes of the industry and sharing my tips and tricks for growing your brand. We'll chat productivity and design, social media, brand partnerships, growth, and more. I'm dishing out my honest, unfiltered advice and exclusive actionable strategies for monetizing your influence. This is Blogging Unscripted. Hi guys, welcome to episode five. So crazy that we're already on episode five of the Blogging Unscripted podcast. We have a pretty packed episode today with a lot of great info that I'm super excited to share with you. We're going to chat about getting your media kit prepped and primed for landing a brand collab and whether you're brand new at this and haven't landed your first paid gig yet or if you've been at this for some time and are just kind of looking for a few tips directly from the brand side about your pitching process, I'm feeling really confident that you'll find some helpful information with a bit of a new perspective after listening to this episode. So as always, I want to just take a quick second to thank you guys for all of the new ratings and reviews that have came in this week. If you haven't yet taken a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, Make sure to do so after this episode. I promise it literally takes 60 seconds or less, depending on how fast you type. Um, So one of the overarching themes that I feel like I've been seeing a lot of in the reviews is that many of you are appreciating the raw, honest look into what really goes on behind the scenes and the strategies that you can adopt to be successful in this industry. And I have to say, I'm so proud to see that because that's honestly why I started this podcast. I felt like there wasn't really a central place to talk about all of the nitty gritty without having to pay for it. And so I wanted to create a space where we could chat about all of the topics um, that some may not want to share about and just kind of be open about it because at the end of the day, it's all common knowledge and it's not a secret. So one of my listeners, Randy, reached out and said, I literally just stumbled upon your podcast and truly feel like you're someone I would totally be friends with and would love to pick your brain. Like a total BFF convo about your thoughts. Keep doing what you're doing because I love it. And that's pretty much my goal of this podcast in two sentences, guys. So thank you, Randy, for taking the time to reach out. And I really encourage you guys to do the same. If you're finding these strategies helpful, or even if you just want to say hi and introduce yourselves, don't be shy to reach out. Okay, so enough of me trying to uh, convince you guys to talk to me. Let's get into the good stuff. So I have to give a shout out to Jenna in our Facebook group for suggesting this. And by the way, if you are not yet a member of our Blogging Unscripted Facebook group, you can join at bit.ly slash blogging unscripted on FB. So this week, thanks to Jenna and her suggestion, I gathered information from over 75 bloggers ranging in follower counts from 800 to 140,000 about their pitching and pricing habits when it comes to brand collaborations. And so I thought we'd start off by chatting just a little bit about these stats and giving you a bit more insight into where everyone as a whole is at. So Interestingly enough, 15% of bloggers who answered the survey have never sent out a pitch email. 21% said that they had pitched, but it's very rare that they do. 
35% said that they pitch occasionally, but not as often as they'd like to. And 29% said they're pitching at least once a week. Good for you guys. And of those people pitching at least once a week, 65% of them have only been blogging for one to three years. So for those of you who are pitching once a week and have just kind of like started and are up getting up and running, um, good for you guys. Then I asked on average, how many sponsored posts are you working on each month? And 55% of bloggers, so a little more than half, answered one to two. And that's about how many I would say I, I work on per month. I usually take on like between one and three. The next stat is probably what surprised me the most. 50% of bloggers said that they primarily do paid sponsored posts, but 35% of you guys said that the majority of your sponsored posts are unpaid product for post trades. So of that 50% who is being paid, 33% are charging under $100 and 47% are charging under $500 with the rest kind of like falling in the over 500 range or not charging at all. So what does this all mean? I just literally like word vomited so many stats. So it, it basically, in short, it means that most of us need to step up our pitching games. So if you're curious to see a little bit more information, because there's so much, I, I, I can't like list stats for you for this whole podcast. It's you'd be sleeping. Um, but if you're curious to learn a little bit more, head over to our blogging unscripted Facebook group. I'm going to share a complete infographic of the results, including how much bloggers are charging for sponsored blog posts and how all of this matches up to Instagram followers. And I'll be sharing that probably this coming week. Let's shift gears a little bit and jump into the pre-pitch process. And the reason that I want to call it the pre-pitch process is because it's everything that needs to be done on the back end before you're actually sending out that pitch email. So our goal, of course, is for the chances of a positive response to a pitch email to be high. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a few of those tips for locking that in all before you start to draft that email. So how many of you guys have a media kit? The answer should be all, unless you just started blogging in the last three months or less. And the reason that I say three months here is because I made it up. But honestly speaking, I do believe that when you're starting your blogging journey, even if your end goal is monetization and paid content, you have to give yourself time to learn your brand and develop a resume of sorts of content that you're proud of and content that you can take and hand to a brand and say, this is what I've done, and this is why I think I'd be a great fit for your brand. So maybe that looks like three months for some of us. Maybe it looks like six months for others. It's really when you feel like you know your brand inside and out and can confidently sell it to someone else. So in case you're not familiar, a media kit is more or less your resume. It's a one-pager that gives a brand everything that they need to know about your brand uh, from a brand overview to your social and blog stats, your demographics, work samples, previous press, and more. The list goes on of all of the, the possibilities that you can include on that media kit. Side note, I have a few free editable media kit resources in the Blogging Unscripted Facebook group, and you can 
grab one if you need one. They are all uh, made on PowerPoint, so anyone can edit them. You don't need Photoshop or anything fancy, and you can find them under the Files menu on your left-hand side. So, of course, first things first when it comes to a media kit, we have our basic no-brainers, blogger and blog name, website call-out, contact information, a short blog or blogger bio, and your audience and stats. And I want you to just think of those as the non-negotiables. They must be on every media kit. So let's get to the good stuff. Growing up in New York, I have my fair share of friends who have ended up in the business in some way, shape, or form. And so what I've done is I picked their brains along with chatted with some of my current brand contacts about media kit musts and the standout pieces of information that they're really looking for on a media kit. So tip number one comes from a director of social media and it's on the subject of one pagers and keeping your media kit short and sweet. She says, I'm looking for pertinent highlights, not your life story. You have a 50-50 shot of me actually reading through a one page attachment. Keep it short, sweet, and relevant sell me. So when I heard this, I actually condensed my two-page media kit to one page after receiving this piece of advice. And what it did was it really forced me to get rid of the fluff that essentially didn't need to be there. And it allowed me to feel so much more confident about what I'm sending out to brands. I know that it can feel really daunting to condense. It's like that college paper that ended up being 10 pages typed and the professor won't accept anything over five, but you have to do it. If it's irrelevant, it's going to be looked over, so you don't need it there in the first place. Tip number two comes from a social media manager, and it's on the subject of keeping your media kit current. She says, one of my biggest pet peeves is when I see a media kit with a stat or piece of information that's totally out of date. Influencers should be updating their media kits at most every single time they're sent out, and at least monthly. So for me, I update my media kit every time I send out a pitch. Reason being here is because sometimes I'm tailoring some of the info to that specific brand. Keeping your stats and your recent work up to date is so, so important, especially because the more recent your information is, the better your content is most likely going to be. I want to show a brand what I did in the last month way over what I want to show them what I did six months ago because I've evolved, I've gotten better, my photos and my editing have gotten better, and I'm a little bit prouder of my content. So that alone is a great reason to be updating. Tip number three comes from a designer and founder, and it's on the subject of work samples. She says it's easy to sell yourself on paper through statistics and creative wording. Our brand wants to see what you're producing, and omitting work samples from a media kit is one of our biggest deterrents. Marketing doesn't have time to fish through your blog or social media. If you've worked with other brands, give us an idea of what you can do for us. We want to see content. I feel like this is so straight and to the point and kind of what we all need to hear. Remember that the whole goal of pitching is to sell ourselves and our brand and convince who we're working with but that we're the perfect fit. So how could we even begin to do that if we don't give them that little teaser of here's the caliber of my work and here's the relevant work I've done in the past that aligns with what I'd be doing for you. 
I have a little section of my media kit that I constantly change depending on whether I'm pitching to a shoe brand or an accessory brand or a clothing brand. And it has a quick little collage of my work as it relates to the type of project I'm pitching for. And then it also has links to the full content. So actionable strategy, convert your media kit into a PDF with clickable links throughout. I personally do this through my Creative Cloud subscription with Adobe Acrobat DC Pro. Moving on, tip number four comes from a PR agent and it's on the subject of being upfront about your engagement on your media kit. She says, many bloggers get caught up in the amount of page views or Instagram likes they're churning out. Sure, those factors are important to an extent, but I want to see if our target audience is actively engaging with your content. It's all about exposure for us and the more engaged your audience is, the more likely they're spreading the word about our brand. So what I take from this is the importance of demographics on your media kit. So for example, what percentage of your audience is female? What percentage is from the U.S.? Things like that and how they relate to your stats. This might look like including your average engagement rate over the past month, which side note, you can calculate by adding together your comments and your likes for each Instagram post and then averaging them. It also might look like how your blog views break down in relation to those demographics if you're pitching for a sponsored blog post. So this changes really depending on what type of project and what type of brand you are pitching for or to. Tip number five is going to bring us into the conversation of rate sheets. And I honestly don't even want to call it a tip because from experience, I can advise against doing this. So let's read it first and then I'll tell you why. This comes from a marketing director and she says, at the end of the day, we're trying to close a deal. That being said, we value our influencers and are often willing to work with the right people for the right price. Don't make it a guessing game when it comes to your rates. We want to know if it's in the cards for us to work together and oftentimes influencer rates help us to make that decision. So I think that the first sentence is a great start to my explanation as for why I don't agree with this. She says, At the end of the day, we're trying to close a deal. But you know what? So are we. And our end of the bargain is just as important, if not more important in our eyes, as the brands. So here's my advice. One of the most commonly asked questions was whether or not to combine your media kit and your rate sheet. Quick side note for those who may not be familiar with the rate sheet, it's more or less just your pricing options for different deliverables. So for example, I charge X amount for one static Instagram post and X amount for one blog post, etc. Keep your media kit and your rate sheet separate. I'm going to share a story that I think will be more telling than counting like out all of the reasons why I think you should do this. So About three weeks ago, a well-known brand reached out with a proposal for a spring collaboration, and after gathering all the details, I knew it was going to be a great fit and a great opportunity to work with this brand that I hadn't yet had the privilege of working with. So after a few emails back and forth, the brand took it upon themselves to ask, what would be your rate for the proposed deliverables? Now, immediately, my gears started churning, and I thought to myself, A, this brand is asking me for a rate to see if they can fit the compensation I'm going to ask them for into their budget. And I also thought, B, I know this brand. 
I know they work with some big names and prioritize their social media marketing. And I think I could bump my rate a bit given the information I already have and given that I know I'm going to work my ass off for this collab. So I kind of sat there and said to myself, I might be taking a shot in the dark, but let's triple my rate. And it seems a little crazy, but I'm getting the vibe that I have some wiggle room here and let's just see what happens. Worst case, let's say they come back with half the amount. I'd still be one and a half times what I would typically charge. And you know what? I pressed send and within the hour I received a reply. Looks great. We'd love to work with you. We'll drop a contract and have it sent over shortly. So you know what wouldn't have happened if I sent the brand a rate sheet in our early conversations? That literally triple my rate. So of course this isn't the standard and you're not going to be able to triple your rate with every brand you talk to. Actually, probably with most of the brands. I mean, some brands you might even be fighting for half of your rate, but I can honestly say that I have been in more than a few situations similar to this where I have made kind of a game time decision in adjusting my rate and the brand has accepted. So that is why Um, you should have a rate sheet handy, have a baseline price that you think that your time and your work is worth and in your head for different types of asks, but don't be afraid to adjust that. Keep it separate. Um, sometimes adjusting your rate also means lowering it. I am the first one to stand up and fight for what I know I deserve when it comes to compensation. But in some situations, for example, if you're starting a relationship with a new brand that you know you want to continue, you might humble yourself a bit and take a little bit lower than what you typically ask. I have personally done this plenty of times and I have developed relationships that have turned into five-figure deals. And that wouldn't have happened if I had not been flexible in the beginning. Next up, I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to chat a bit about determining your rate. Um, This is probably one of the most asked questions. It's such a gray area for so many people, and I hope that what I'm going to share is just going to give you a little bit of clarity. So on average, from our pitching and pricing survey, bloggers with 1,000 to 10,000 followers on Instagram are charging $78 per post. Bloggers with... 10,000 to 25,000 followers on Instagram on average are charging $179 per post and bloggers from 25,000 to 50,000 on average are charging $315 per post. These numbers, yes, they're all averaged out, but guys, these rates are low. If you're sitting there feeling stuck on where to even start in determining a rate, I'm going to break down a super simple and effective formula using your CPM. And don't worry, I'm going to explain all of the lingo as we go. Some of you guys may not know that I spent six years in elementary ed teaching nine-year-olds, so I have got this, guys. Um, I want to start with a little disclaimer, and I'll make it quick. What I'm going to share is a baseline. Let's repeat it. It's a baseline. This is not the end-all be-all. And anybody who tells you that there is an end-all be-all for rates is crazy. 
There are plenty of other important factors that brands utilize to determine how much of a budget they're going to set forth for influencer marketing. So they're kind of asking things like, what's the potential ROI or rate of return on investment? What's the potential reach? How valuable is Blogger X's audience and does it align with our target customers? So all of this being said, having an idea about where to start is a really great tool to have on your side. So take a second, click pause, grab a pen, paper, and get ready to write. So CPM is going to be the heart of our rate equation. CPM stands for cost per mill or the cost to reach a thousand people through an ad campaign. So the reason that CPM is super important here is because brands are essentially paying you for your audience or your reach, right? So the average cost to reach a thousand people on Instagram that brands are paying for ranges from $7 to $12. And we're going to keep that range in mind because we're going to use those numbers to calculate a range for our rate. So let's use the example of a blogger with an audience of 50,000 followers on Instagram. So our equation is going to look like this. I wish I had a freaking chalkboard right now because it's so hard to talk this out. So our equation looks like audience times CPM divided by a thousand equals your rate. I'll say it one more time. Audience times CPM divided by a thousand equals your rate. So we'll take 50,000 followers and we are going to times it by 10 and let's use 10 because it's kind of about in the middle of our 7 to 12 range for CPM. And so we'll do 50,000 times 10 divided by 1,000, which equals out to 500 per post. So if we calculated that at the low range with a $7 CPM, that number comes out to 350. And when we calculated it at the high range with a CPM of 12, that number comes out to 600. So really you're looking at a range of 350 to 600 with a median of about $500 for someone with a following of 50,000 on Instagram. Now, of course, this equation doesn't take into account costs that might be associated with a collab, like a photographer, uh, traveling for your content shoot, etc. So you could always add those fees onto your rate. Now, for my listeners under 10,000 followers, that CPM number is going to come out to less than 100. And you know what? From here on out, I don't ever want you to accept under 100 for a sponsored post. Ever. Why? Because so many brands have ditched the notion of needing a certain follower count to offer paid content. Does that mean brands are still not going to fight you to work without pay? Of course, that's their job. But the industry has really shifted its focus to kind of this three-tiered system where campaigns are being launched with micro-influencers, which are kind of like 10,000 followers or less, power middle influencers, which range from 10,000 to 250,000 followers, and of course your macro-influencers with like 250,000 to a million followers. So according to an article by Linkia's called The State of Influencer Marketing in 2018, when asked which of the following influencer marketing trends brands were planning to adopt in the coming year, the majority said running influencer marketing programs that leverage multiple types of influencers. 
So really, what does that say? There's room for everyone. So my advice if your following is currently under 10,000 is to figure out that CPM equation and then add 100 to your final number. So for example, if you have a following of 2,000, you do the following equation. 2,000 times 10, which we'll use for our average CPM, divided by 1,000 plus 100 equals 120. Did you know that 86% of brands admitted that they didn't know how much they should be paying their influencers in 2018. Part of our job here is also to base our rates on the campaign guidelines. So what is the brand looking to achieve? Brand awareness, driving conversions, boosting their social following, and how much of that ask do we feel confident that we can deliver? If we feel confident that we can exceed an ask, we might bump our rate up by a few hundred dollars. Engagement is another factor that also plays a huge role in influencer marketing. According to the Linkia's article, when measuring the success of influencer marketing programs, 90% of marketers cite engagement as a top performance indicator. And then that's followed by 59% citing clicks and 54% citing conversions. So that's a huge gap, 90%. And it's yet another reason to adjust our rates. So if you're a blogger with an audience of, say, 20,000 Instagram followers and your engagement rate is over 4%, your engagement rate is considered above average. So use details like that and this knowledge to your advantage. Okay, so we have covered a lot today in the pre-pitch process from media kit suggestions from brands to your rate sheet and how to calculate your reads. And these are all really important things that you need to be thinking about prior to pitching if you want to set yourself up for success. And yes, there will be times where your media kit will never see the light of day or come into play in a conversation with a brand or there might be times where you'll just develop your rate on a whim. It happens to me all the time, and that's okay. It's still incredibly important to have those tools updated, thorough, and at your disposal. So we will absolutely continue the pitching conversation in later episodes. There's just so much content to cover, and I feel like breaking it up is going to be the most effective way to deliver the information to you without feeling like it's overwhelming. So let's get to a few questions as they relate to today's topic, and we'll close out our episode. If you are new to this podcast and listening to the first time, we close out our episodes each week with a quick Q&A, and sometimes the questions are random, and sometimes, like today, they'll be relative to what we've talked about. I really encourage you guys to keep a running list of questions. Um, You could do it just like in the notes app in your phone as you listen to episodes or as they pop into your head so we can cover them all. And the best place for you to drop your questions is in our Facebook group's Q&A thread, which is pinned at the top as an announcement. And you can also keep an eye out for episode-specific threads in the group where I'll be pulling today's questions from. So earlier this week, um, I, I put out a post, what are your questions about the pitch process? And so I'm, I'm pulling those questions from that thread today. All right, let's get into it. So first question is from Amanda and she asks, should you change your media kit or rate sheet depending on the brand you're pitching to or should it be consistent throughout? And I know we covered this, but I want to reiterate because it's so important. Yes, 
have certain sections that you change. So for example, I always keep my brand overview consistent, but I'll often edit my work samples and my past partnerships as they relate to the type of brand I'm pitching to. The more that you can deliver the brand a tailored experience, the more likely they're going to be to see you as a fit. Next question comes from Jenna and she asks, what demographics should we include on our media kit? So it's important to note that this may differ for bloggers in different niches, but as a rule of thumb, I recommend including gender. A lot of times brands want to see how big your female audience is. And of course, we're speaking if we're female bloggers trying to cater to a female audience, they want to see age range and location. So I think that that's a good place to start with those three. And I've found from experience that brands rarely ask for more than that. Jenna also asked, should we have a rate sheet with multiple options slash packages or a page with our rate and what's included in parentheses, blog posts, photos, social shares, etc. So This really depends on your preferences and what options you're willing to present to brands, but I'm going to give you a rundown of how my rate sheet is set up based on what I have found that brands most often ask for. And remember, what I'm sharing with you is tailored to me. It might not work for you, but maybe it'll just kind of give you a little bit of an idea of where to start. So on the top of my rate sheet, I have a quick blurb about my experience as a digital influencer and my objective for working together. And in short, that objective kind of just looks like creating engaging content and successfully marketing the brand. I then list my experience from clothing and accessories to monthly subscription services and beauty and skincare products. And you can really break this section down if you want to include it, however you see fit. My next section is my services offered. And this lists first my Instagram post and story feature rates. And this is really what I get asked for most from brands. So it's at the forefront and it's the first rate that they see. The way that I set it up is I list my pricing on the left And on the right side, I list a quick description so there are no gray areas for the brand. So for example, Instagram post X dollars. And then on the right hand side, the little description reads Instagram post featuring one styled static photo with original photography. You can get creative here. You can include carousel rates, video rates, etc. Or you could just simply put a little blurb at the end that says, please inquire for additional photo slash video formats. It's really up to you. Also part of the services offered are my blog post rates. And I used to present this as a three-tiered package. I did, I think I did like silver, gold, and platinum, something like that. And each tier included different deliverables. But over the years, I have found that most often brands just want a baseline rate for one blog post. So that's what I list. And then I follow it with please inquire for additional requirements or a multiple post series. I think a lot of the times, I mean, of course, there are some project based rates that you'll have to come up with. But I think a lot of the times brands either want to see your rate for a single blog post, a single Instagram post, or a series of Instagram stories. So going back to my rate sheet at the very end, I list some alternative options, which are all project-based that don't have fees attached, like a sponsored giveaway or an event appearance, etc., etc. 
And I also list a quick snippet of my updated demographics and stats, which is important to have on there if a brand is just looking at a rate sheet and not seeing your media kit. And I think that's that. So we're going to wrap up here for today's episode. And if you still have questions, let me know by sending me a DM on Instagram at blogging unscripted or post your question to our running Q&A thread in the Blogging Unscripted Facebook group. If you are not a member, again, you can join at bit.ly slash blogging unscripted on FB. And we are on Apple Podcasts. That's probably where most of you are listening from. So it's really important for you to rate, review, and subscribe. I would love to hear any and all feedback. And I really encourage you guys to get in touch, say hi, I'd love to meet you. I feel like this is my spiel every time, but I do know that there's a lot of new listeners each week. So if this is your first time tuning in, thank you for trusting my, in my opinion, and I'm super excited you're here. Um, so make sure to follow me on Instagram at Danielle Gervino and at Blogging Unscripted, and I will see you guys for our next episode. Chat soon. <laughs>